Hey, thanks for joining in today. I'm Jeff. I'm Jeremy. I'm Dustin. And I'm Jeff as well. And we'll be your host tonight as we have a discussion about Romans in our Romans passage tonight. Now, before we go into that, there's a, a debate around church of who the funniest pastor is, right? Supposedly, J-Rod is the self-proclaimed king of comedy. But I, I gave all the all of us a little bit of time to come up with a joke. And as for you, it is your job to vote and decide who you think is the funniest pastor. Yeah, we want to hear, like, responses flooding the Facebook uh, right now. Yes. LOLs nonstop. Ha-has, whatever it is. Fall on floor laughing. All my, over the place. My question is, who's debating this? I don't even know if it's even <laughs> a debate. Somebody's kind of brought in this fake debate. But I'm going to get it started. Is that all right? Yeah, go ahead. Because I got the best one, and you always do the best first, and then everything All right, let's just hear it. Let's just hear it. All right, so how do you make God laugh? Like, how do you make God laugh? Think about that for a second. How do you make God laugh? You tell him your plans. I hear crickets. <laughs> Lots of crickets. Like we've never heard that one before. Like, tell God your plans. Wow, that, mm. that was a, that's a very pastoral joke. Uh, All right. <laughs> All right. So I'll knock you guys out of the water uh, to the man in the wheelchair that stole my camouflage jacket. You can hide, but you can't run. Wow. Wow, dude. I don't know. <laughs> wow. I can even say that. <laughs> that, yeah, dude. I can't I'll even. See, wow. Why do you got to pick on the handicap, man? Dude, that <laughs> is messed up. Bro. Well, we just started a whole other debate right wow. there. Wow. That's why I don't get to Who's talk too often. Yeah. No boundaries. <laughs> this is, this no is, boundaries. Oh, man. See, I'm already looking good. I know. Right I know. <laughs> you want to go right. or do you want to go? All right. Go? I'll go. We, we can save the you know, the worst for last or whatever. But, um, all right. So my, my grandfather has the heart of a lion and a lifetime ban from the zoo. Wow. That was so profound. I didn't understand it. First, we're, do you want me to explain that? (laughs) My grandfather has the heart of a lion and a lifetime ban from the zoo. Man, where did you guys you got, these <laughs> I'm looking good. I do have like a uh, a joke that is um oh my goodness. like PG. All, yeah. Do you want to hear the PG one? The PG one. All right. Uh, what did the pirate say on his 80th birthday? What's that? Hey, matey. Well, you got to no, do the pirate. That's I matey. I was like, I can't say what that I was I can't like. do a pirate accent. That, so. was, that was pirate. pretty good. I liked that. As a special pirate. Yeah. I matey. Wow. See? So, flooding it right now. debate right now. All right. Yeah, vote right now if you want Jeremy to talk in a pirate <laughs> accent <laughs> yeah. the whole time. Or if you want to see him do a special sermon as uh, yeah. Captain Jack Sparrow. So, that might be that was pretty, pretty, pretty good. good. <laughs> These guys are funny. I know you guys just love and enjoy it. Uh, my joke is, if I can recall it, is that uh, in a recent study, they found that women who have gained a couple extra pounds tend to live longer than the men who mention it. Oh, that's good. Oh, wow. That is good. Wow. From the, so from the non-married really man. No we debate <laughs> here as we see. He's just trying to get brownie points. I don't yeah. know if that's even a joke. <laughs> but... Um, just flood in your comments for that <laughs> victory for me, plus sensitivity training for these guys. We got we need a lot of, sens- a lot of sensitivity training here. 
We wow. better move into the yeah, text. Just take us over, please. About 25 uh, viewers on that last yeah. few jokes. Okay. So. Well, we wanted to start with something light, and we are glad that you guys have joined us. But before we get into our pastor, I wanted to ask each one, what is one thing you've gleaned from this Roman study so far? You want to go? You wrote notes. Yeah. Notes? <laughs> I got notes. I am a student outside of school. Um so far, I mean, I've really enjoyed the whole walking in the spirit, uh, the seeing what that is, because a lot of times we hear that, you know, walk in the spirit. And that's really evident in, in Romans 8, how we have this power behind us and how we're actually supposed to walk that line now. And it kind of keeps us in track. Uh, I need that a lot of times, uh, as you can see with my choices of jokes. Um, but it, it definitely helps you help be held accountable and that we're, we're living for so much more. So I've, I've enjoyed that. One of the things I got out of it is just kind of growing my faith as a guy that struggles with dyslexia. It's really hard to read Romans in one setting and get a lot out of it. For So slowing it down a little bit and reading it and just kind of going chunk by chunk has really allowed me kind of just to show, uh, to s- experience faith a little bit differently in this text. Because there's some really, uh, man, powerful uh, places of scripture in here. But there's also some stuff that's a little bit confusing. And it's really uh, a couple of sections have just hit me hard with some really good, strong, faithful moments. Um, it's been good for me and my wa- uh, my walk and the spirit side, for sure. This last chapter, just walking in the spirit has been really good. Yeah, I think I think for me, Romans is so technical um, and one, one moment it seems like Paul's arguing one way and then it's like, oh, no, the next. And we can get so, so uh, just lost i guess but uh I, I think for me it's just the the beginning the first three chapters like you are so jacked up if you're a human being because we make decisions that are just terrible sometimes but then like you see this huge radical shift like but now and we see definitely see that in in chapter eight with like but now there is no condemnation for those in christ jesus and so it's it reveals who we are but then it also shows like what God has for us and and the redemption and the sacrifice and all that stuff. So that's pretty cool because in this section, it really shifts. It shifts. What did you say? I, I said shifts. <laughs> Everybody say shift. Shift. F- <laughs> S- also S- in the. How do you spell that? I yeah. F. He forgot the left the F off. The, um. But it shifts. And so at one point it says uh, nothing can separate me. But now Paul kind of gets into a different mindset, which we're going to yeah. see in a few minutes. Yeah. So it's just interesting how it shifts. We shift. lost. We lost a bunch of viewers <laughs> yeah, again. So no. this is good. We're down I to just three. Saw, yeah, Whose idea is yeah. this? Great. <laughs> Sorry, we'll we'll bleep that out. <laughs> anyways, yeah, I really resonate with that. It's such a powerful book with powerful truths now. But we're going to open up to our chapter, uh, chapter 9 in our Bibles. If you have a Bible, take a moment and grab it. If you're new to the Bible, you can open up to the front where there's a table of contents, and you'll find the book of Romans in the New Testament after the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts. And so we're in chapter 9. Verse 1 through 16. Uh, Jeremy, would you read for us? Yeah. So we're reading out of the NLT, and it begins by saying, With Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be... I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. 
They are the people of Israel chosen to be God's adopted children. God revealed his glory to them. He made covenants with them and gave them his law. He gave them the privilege of worshiping him and receiving his wonderful promises. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are their ancestors, and Christ himself was an Israelite as far as his human nature is concerned. And he is God, the one who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Verse 6 continues, Well then, has God failed to fulfill his promise to Israel? No, for not all who are born into the nation of Israel are truly members of God's people. Being descendants of Abraham doesn't make them truly Abraham's children. For the scriptures say, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted, though Abraham had other children too. This means that Abraham's physical descendants are not necessarily children of God. Only the children of the promise are considered to be Abraham's children. For God had promised, I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. This son was our ancestor Isaac. When he married Rebekah, she gave birth to twins. But before they were born, before they had done anything good or bad, she received a message from God. This message shows that God chooses people according to his own purposes. He calls people, but not according to their good or bad works. She was told, your older son will serve your younger son. In the words of the scriptures, I loved Jacob, but I rejected Esau. Are we not saying then that God was unfair? Of course not. For God said to Moses, I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. So it is God who decides to show mercy. We can neither choose it nor work for it. Wow, what a powerful passage. Thank you, Jeremy. There's four things that immediately stood out to me as he was reading that. The, the biggest thing, I think, the overarching theme is Paul's sorrow over his people, the Jews. You just see that highlighted in the first section. It says bitter sorrow and unending grief uh, that he felt for his people, for his Jewish brothers and sisters. Secondly is not all of Abraham's descendants are children of God. That sounds kind of confusing, kind of almost controversial. What is Paul actually saying? The third is God's choice being based on his call, nothing that we uh, have done ourselves. And finally, the last part is God's mercy, that he'll show compassion to anyone that he chooses to show compassion to. So we're going to kind of break this down and talk about it in an informal way. We'll start with the, the very first one is Paul's sorrow. What was Paul's sorrow, and why do you feel like he uh, felt that way? It's interesting. I think there's a lot of sorrow from some of your bad jokes, but uh, but at the end there's God's mercy, so it's good. Wow. So, uh, uh, sorrow is important for us to understand. I mean, we're in this phase right now in our world where we're dealing with all this chaos and confusion, and people are grieving whatever's going on. And Paul's sorrow is looking at his people that are lost. I mean, his people, the what he was raised as and how he grew up as, he thought he was going to be something different, a Pharisee, a leader of uh, Judaism, and now he's in sorrow because he's basically, his identity's gone, what he thought he was going to mm -hmm. be. You know, you grow up and you're going to be, I'm going to be a, a, a Jewish doctor or a lawyer, or I'm going to be a Pharisee, and now his whole mindset has shifted because of what Christ does in his life, and he's sorrowful for the loss of, of, of his culture and his people. 
I think it's important for us to realize that sorrow, uh, just how invested he is mm-hmm. uh, into the the relationship that he has and what that he hopes for. Because sorrow is a it's a painful reminder. Mm-hmm. That means you're you're deeply invested. That means you care for one another. It's not just something that you uh, glance by and you're able to walk away from. He's falling. This, he's holding this deep sorrow. The same thing you'd feel for family members or very close friends. Like personally, I would feel sorrow for someone if they started to fall away from this type of thing. So seeing this deep pain uh, signifies just how much he is involved in this and how much he actually wants this, this relationship brought forward. That's good. Yeah, it's like, like I don't know if you guys have ever experienced something where where you wanted your friend or your family member to go to like an event or a camping trip or a vacation, whatever it was. You wanted them to go so badly, but either they didn't want to go or the circumstances weren't right and they, they couldn't end up going. And I feel like that is just a, a small sliver of what Paul is experiencing. Because he's here talking about like eternal life and, and salvation and all these things for his own people. And then to feel like that is not like happening, that's crazy. And man, I, I, that's, that's a heartbreaking sorrow. And I, I think like we can talk about friends or family members who, who don't believe or whatever it is. And like you, that hurts, you know, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, you can almost see his pain in verse 2. He says, I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. It's like he would sacrifice himself if he could in order to save his people. Now, you guys think this sorrow drove him to to preach or it, it made him such a – because we know him as such a zealous apostle. What do you guys think? Do you think this is what drove his ministry? Don't you think his character? He's just a passionate man. When we see his writing, I mean, some of the other writings are more technical, but Paul just writes from passion, and I kind of like that because I have I draw from passion more than other places. And so, yeah, you see a lot of passion, especially in this text. I could definitely see how it it probably inspired him to preach. Like the moment he was converted and brought forward, he just went running full blast. And the same type of thing he that has to drive him every moment when there's someone as lost as he realized that he was he's just going full board to try to to do whatever he can to bring that good news forward and i i would also say that like verse you my heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief like in the, the jewish culture your heart is in hebrew is your lev and that's like the seed of your emotions it's it's that part of you that makes you you it's it's everything about you that is is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief and like like that moves you to do something like mm-hmm. depression moves you to do mm-hmm. something uh, sorrow moves you to do something joy moves you mm-hmm. to do complacency right or, or apathy like even in our world like we were talking about just the struggle right now that we're going through like are we going to be on lockdown are we not going to be able to you know see each other go to coffee shops whatever it is like ah we we got to be at home like that can move us to do something, right? Like like Paul. It yep. moves him to, to preach, to, to live for the gospel, all those sorts of things. Like, It's the core part of who yeah. he is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what's yeah. driving him is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, well, we tend to avoid sorrow. We tend not to like it or to minimize it, but mm-hmm. it can be a power, like you're saying, a mm-hmm. very very powerful emotion, something very powerful that can, can drive us. On a, on a personal note, and I want the audience to kind of get to know us a little bit. Sounds so formal, like audience. Yeah, yeah. I want like to get you know our Never viewers. seen you before. <laughs> but um, what drives you to be in ministry? Mm. Out of anything, out of anything you could have chosen or done, what drives 
each and every one of you in your ministry? I'll go first, uh, I guess. Uh, ministry for me wasn't necessarily a, a choice or, a, you know, like, hey, I, I sign me up. I want to, you know, be a pastor. It's just something that you feel in your bones that, like, it, it, it's the beat of your heart. It's, it's this fire in your bones that, like, this is who you are. This is what you are called to. And you come alive in it, like, with passion and was that the question? You said something about like what uh, drives, what, what drives you, you in ministry? You. Yeah, I mean, the, God, the the joy and the the experience of doing that. And joy doesn't just mean the happiness, right? Like the the struggle of of working together for a, a good and greater purpose. Um, good. I guess one that will never fail. So yeah. that's pretty cool. You're up, dude. Um, just being driven to ministry. It's changed lives. I mean, when you see the things that happened in my life, the people that's been affected by my life and, and all these things, once I accepted Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, once I, I brought him in and totally depended on him, the complete change that was able to happen in my life, I want other people to be able to experience the the healing of miracles, to have people speak in our life, kind of what we're talking about where sorrow happens when we have something else to look for. So I want people to experience the the blessings I've been able to experience because that's only happened because of depending on Jesus. So that drives me to want to, to show more people what he can do. What about you? What drives you? You know, there's a verse, I, I can't recall where it is, but it says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge and Something that just resonates with me, it's its what we don't know that's killing us. And so for me, as a, a pastor or teacher, it's like I want to share with people the truth because I know when we don't know the truth, the, the enemy can take advantage of us. We, we don't live as free as possibly as we, as we could be. And so that's something that, that really drives me is just wanting to it just even that 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 verse right there of wanting not not wanting God's people to to perish or to fall victim to the enemy or or fall into the bondage. And so, what about you? Yeah, I like what Jeremy said. Um, you know, my previous jobs and the stuff I did before, I never felt complete. I never felt whole. I always felt like I had more to give and once ministry even became an option and it was only because I got hired that it became an option, I would have done anything for God and still feel like I would. It just like it put everything in alignment correctly. I know that's kind of cheesy, kind of cl cliche stuff, but I, I mean, I'm so challenged and and um, and so on fire even more than I was 10 or 12 years ago because it feels like, you know, it's what I'm supposed to do. It feels like I, the multiple hats and going from like having fun like right now and talking about God to really getting into someone's life, being at the hospital and, you know, experiencing death. And it's just something that you can't imagine. And you wake up and you have no idea what's going to happen in ministry. And that's really what drives me. But like Dustin said, I think is really cool is to see the transformation that happens around people. Mm -hmm. And for me, I've been super blessed to be a part of some of your life transformations. But my wife and my kids, as you're growing kids and see what God is doing in their life, man, it's cool too. And to see what's happening in your guys' life, we are so excited. What drives me is what's going on in your life. I wake up and go, what is gonna go, God going to do in their life? And that brings so much encouragement to all of us. And I know we talk about it a lot, kind of off camera, so we shouldn't talk about them without telling them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I think that's a, an amazing thing to see transformation in people's lives, like you're you're saying. But I want to shift gears here and and talk about Israel. It seems like um, God or failed to fulfill His promise to Israel. That's what we see in in verse six, and it's kind of confusing because it, He even goes on to say that not all of Abraham's descendants are children of God, and so that's kind of the question: Did, did God f- uh, fail to fulfill His promise to? The Israel did he did he let him down? No. That's it. Ditto. <laughs> yeah, let's all just say no, no. and move on. Let's, uh, this is what a tough why why no? This is a tough section. <laughs> yeah. I have a story, but you want to explain it? I Go ahead. Tell a different tell story. Tell your story. Well, is it better than your about, joke? Yeah. Yeah, it was God has plans. Than the joke. God has plans. That's so good, dude. You guys know compared to what you guys brought. Trust me. Uh, I was going to tell a story kind of around this because I'm, I'm, I, I, I ask questions. And one of the stories I was thinking about is um, if you follow God's promises, you read his word, but you don't believe in Jesus Christ. Does your life, just physical life on earth get better? Yes, that's right. But that doesn't mean that everybody's part of God's plan and God's children because there's another step to it. And so. I could be a follower and, and read the Bible and, and follow the promises and principles, but really not be a child of God. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so that kind of answers the no question a little bit. It's kind of backwards, but that's how I learn and grow from is kind of answer a st- or make it through a story or a comment. So, What do you, what do you think? I just wanted to hear from the guy with two masters what he thought about <laughs> it. <laughs> Um, yeah, like Jeff was saying, this is a tough, a tough, uh, it's, it's tough because it's hard to, um, accept it in a sense that when we are given the option to choose God or not to choose God, and when you don't choose God, it hurts Mm -hmm. and you don't want to see anybody go through that and, the hope is that that all will be saved, right? Mm-hmm. That that all are called and that all will be saved. But um, it's not God's fault if that doesn't happen, you know. Man, it just got like somber here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's hard, you know. You know, I know God desires to save everyone, but we yeah, know not everybody is saved. Even Jesus, when he in, in as God, came and was rejected by his people. You know, he had a when he came to town to town and they simply just wanted bread from him. They just wanted to see a miracle, but they really didn't believe in his words that he truly was God or one to live by truth. It's just, it just blew me away. I believe that um, God did fulfill it because Jesus was a descendant of David and he came to his people and that's who he primarily focused on was, was uh, his people. But it's a confusing, it's a confusing passage and it's, and it's really difficult for a lot of us, but I, I feel like there's a lot of people even watching that there's maybe been times in, in your life where you felt that God failed you. Maybe there was a promise that he uh, gave you and and it, it, you just feel like he's failed you. And I know that happens to all of us. And so I kind of wanted to open up and, and get a little bit more personal and just uh, ask the question of these guys here. Do you Was there ever a time where you felt God has failed you. And I know we sing that song. He's Today hasn't failed me or, yet. Uh, <laughs> just in life. Yeah, like just to be to to be open and honest. And if you'd like to post in the comment section just maybe um how you felt or our time in your life, you can you can do that as well. 
So was there ever a time that I felt God failed me? Well, at the time uh, when I was back in my previous job, uh, I went to culinary school and I became a chef. And the ultimate goal is to own your own restaurant. And the ultimate goal on top of that is to go back to your hometown and open your very own restaurant. Hashtag Fillmore. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah. Where's that? Yeah, you drive by it and it's done. <laughs> That's the punchline to my joke. Yeah. I was, so I, here I was opening my own restaurant. In uh, Fillmore. In Fillmore. <laughs> and I remember making a decision with my family to get ready to close the doors. Um, and you felt that at one moment, like, God, I thought this was what I was supposed to be doing. Open my very own restaurant in my hometown where I was born and raised. And now what? Now what happens? And... It takes time to peel back those layers as you get a little more mature in faith. And I actually look back and say, well, if I would have still been doing a restaurant, I wouldn't be doing ministry right now. Mm, and to good. see how God actually did not do that to me. That was my own plan moving forward. And I actually, you know, many, many variables. I chose the wrong location, wrong price Fillmore. points. Fillmore. <laughs> different things. We lost all our viewers from Fillmore. But you're able to see God, of course, did something amazing out of that situation that he did not fail me at that time. He actually brought so much more glory to his name from being able to do what he's actually called me for. We're going to tell your joke right here. No, no, I'm just going to let it go because oh, okay. of the Fillmore joke. I mean, this is it. How does God make you laugh? You tell him your plans. Yeah. Wait, and then how does, you, that's uh, a dyslexic. Yeah, yeah dyslexic. how does God make you how laugh? Does, how do you make God laugh? He's, he's shifting us. <laughs> wow. 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 What do you got? Uh, for me, I, I feel like I, yeah, there was. I think when I was 25 and I was at a time where, you know, at 25 you think you should have everything together you think you should have a, a career you know married kids all that and it that's what it kind of seemed like or seemed like where my life was going I was in, a, in an awesome relationship um had a pretty good job and yet I still was unhappy I, I had something that was missing and I, I was going to church and doing all this but it was like it was like it kind of became an idol to me this ideal ideal uh, situation, you know, like the perfect marriage, the perfect job, the perfect life, you know, house, all that, and it completely just crumbled in, you know, pop, you know, mostly being my fault. And I went through a time where it was just everything that I thought was the perfect life was kind of taken from me, and I end up living in Mexico, and it's a super long story, but it just seemed like, wow, like God, I've been asking you to put me into this place where, you know, like to. to like your promised land, and, and yet I'm not seeing it. And I didn't realize at the time that it was a process and that God was like dealing with my heart. He was dealing with even that idol. I think it was like an idol in my life and, and that expectation that God had to work on my timeline and according to my plans. And, and I look back on that as like a, a major time where God, yeah, he, he just shaped me and he humbled me. I think he really had to do that uh, just so that I would trust him and not... Um, get life from those other things you know as good as those other things are uh, his blessings we can't they, they're not going to sustain us like the like the soul uh, relationship that we have with God and so what do you got German uh, my, mine's kind of along the the lines of of Dustin where where he he sees that it's not my God who failed him it was no offense bro but it was like 
is you or I who who you know maybe failed God and yep. I I just I don't know what it is about me, but I just haven't felt like blaming God because it's like well it's you're you're God like I'm me and so it's it, it's usually I feel like I'm the one who's out of sync, not that God's out of sync, um, and that's why I feel in my relationship with God it's not like like why should I even try to hide stuff from God because God already knows. So when it comes to like, have I ever felt like God has he ever failed me? Like, I I don't know. I would say probably not, but you look at the current circumstance right now where it's like, man, we've, we've been a church for almost 10 years and things have gone like really well. And then we're hit by this. And like Sunday was so different because it felt like you're saying like something was missing and it's oh it's the people it's the community it's like the reason we do what we do and to not be able to do that it feels like not a failure on god's part or the government's part or the cdc's part it's just like what do we do and is like the uncertainty of the time makes it feel like what's happening so i I don't know if that's even anyone's failure but it like makes you wonder like god where are you what are you doing what is the purpose and it's going through that like you said peeling back the layers i like that concept of instead of telling i could tell you all kinds of points of where i felt god failed me but to kind of go on the line that jeremy was talking about was until i like grew in faith it was god's fault mm-hmm. does that make sense mm-hmm. like Everything was God's fault. And then I started to read his text. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. It's like dozens. It's like there were some things that I was doing that was kind of against God or not with God and not really prayed into it. And so when I look back on it, I'm like, well, God wanted me in jail. He needed me on a timeout. God wanted me uh, in a certain ministry and then, you know, leave that ministry. He wanted me there. And I thought it was a failure. But when you look back, man, it's faith and beautiful. So when I really look back in retrospect, like Jeremy was saying, it's not really God failing or we failing. And it, it, it's really the way that we perceive it. Does that make sense? The way that I see it and go, oh, man, I'm the one that's failing. God's not really failing. It's the way that I see it. And as I've become um, a more churched Christian, meaning reading his text, believing and honoring and doing the things that make a disciple work, my life is not looking backwards. It's looking forwards and going, man, I'm, he didn't fail me. I just didn't understand what he was doing. Is that yeah, what yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. Yeah, I think that something that comes to my mind is that I read this where God doesn't, he doesn't um, absolve us of the pain that. What's absolve mean real quick? Uh, well, just so everyone knows. I'm trying to, I'm trying like to remember how it, how it goes, but it was in a recovery book and about how, um, that he uses pain in our lives to shape us into his character. And he doesn't separate us from that pain. He allows that pain in our life in order to, to shape us. Yep. And that's, it was super hard to hearing that because, you know, we, we make these decisions and some oftentimes the, the consequences of those decisions that are not in his will are, are painful. And, but he allows that to, to shape us, to prune us. And that was one of the hardest things to understand and, and to grow us. But I want to move forward in this passage. Uh, we got another topic of, uh, this is also really difficult. We could spend a lot of time talking about it, but it's God's choice being made on the call, right? Not He doesn't call people according to their good or bad works, as it says in, in verse 12, but he calls them according to his purposes. Let's, let's kind of talk about that and break that down. What do you guys think that that means? 
Well, I'm super into this um, <clears throat> right now. I just see, uh, you look all over scripture, God does not call people who are equipped. God does not call people who have it all together or have all the degrees or have all the experience. God calls who he calls for his own purposes. And he usually calls like the, the youngest guy uh, or girl who doesn't have the experience and does not have life together. And through those people, like his glory shows and shines through. Um, so why does he do that? So he could receive glory from it. Cause it's like, it's nothing in me who is able to do this. It's God. You know, I think of that there are some strong characters, uh, through the Bible that are just anointed and ready to go fierce warriors. But a lot of them are ones that you're saying that could be shaped into something. He wants people that are willing to listen, ready to grow and ready to just soak up like a sponge, what he's called them for. Like you're saying, people that are called to have absolutely no you know ability to do what they could do without god doing it he has to lift them up to do it and they were saying that he calls the ones where you will have to say you know what that was god right there there's no other way yeah i've, I've seen that, that list maybe you've seen it before where it talks about like the inadequacies of maybe the disciples or yeah. this person or that person like that and list. peter was a denier and thomas was a doubter and I, my favorite is at the very end it's like and lazarus was dead <laughs> you know <laughs> yep. that's classic dead. what about you jeff i know you know being a pastor wasn't uh something you probably even thought of or imagined in in your yeah, life it's you really know? honestly i'm the most ill-equipped i'm dyslexic uh I, re I was talking to a lady a couple of weeks ago when we were at Chile, some random lady met and she was a reading teacher. And I'm like, oh, man, I read for a living and I'm dyslexic. And she goes, what? And I talked to her about the ministry. And I'm like, if I would have known at fifth grade or eighth grade or 12th grade that I was going to be reading in front of people on a weekly basis and deal with reading this tonight would have crushed me. I mean, it was a struggle. It was hard. I was like, what? but he doesn't he doesn't call us uh, uh, the equipped. He wants to equip us. And I was thinking about. Wait, can you say that again? That was really good. He say doesn't call. I don't know what I said. Uh, yeah. Something like he doesn't call us the equipped. equipped. He equips. Yeah. us. Boom. So good. I, I'm done. Drop the mic. Yeah, yeah. he's done. Yeah. We're done for the day. <laughs> But what I was really thinking about is like building teams. Ministry is about building teams. This is a team. There's a worship team. There's all kinds of teams, men, ministry, women's ministry. And the truth is the best person that you want to have on your team is the one that's so willing to do whatever yeah. versus the one that's got all the skill. Yeah. You see some of these sports teams bring in the best players of all time. They don't win championships, Clippers, but they actually. <laughs> Sorry, Dustin. It's like the greatest right team, but they don't. They, but the personalities and the 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 skills don't always mesh. You want that hardworking mm -hmm. person that's going to go. I'm going to you know clean the toilets. I'm going to mop. I'm going to paint walls. I'm going to do whatever. And that's how God uses them because He's like now they're able to learn and grow from that. So it's an important place. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to think that it's not what we do. I mean, at a I remember at a certain point driving in my car and and hearing uh, God's voice, not an audible voice, but internal voice, but it was very clear. And what he said to me, he's like pretty much the, the, the notion of um, it's not because of your ability that I chose you. Mm -hmm. And it, it was almost in a way where it kind of hurt, where it's like, hey, like, you know, I, I didn't choose you based on, on what you could do. Those were kind of the actual words. Mm -hmm. And I was like really hurt. I'm like, what? Like, I think I'm 
pretty talented. Like, why wouldn't you want to choose me? You know, like, good. Like, I'm, I'm certain. But he, he kind of made it very clear. He's like, no, like, I'm not choosing you based on what you can do, but based on what I can do through you. Yeah, I love that. Good. And that's what really kind of changed me. And because a lot of times in ministry, and I know, um, like, Jeff admits it, but there can be a lot of comparison. Mm-hmm. You know, we go to a, com- yeah. a pastor's conference or we see another church. Like, do you guys ever feel that? Like, just the, the comparison to to other leaders or people in the country? Yeah. I mean, that's the first thing we do. We go in and we act like we're humble. We go to a pastor's conference and the first thing, how big are you guys? How many services? How many campuses do you have? And we're like, uh, we just started in a backyard. We yeah. don't really know what we're doing. And so, but yeah, we do compare and we're always looking at other people and never really focusing on what we have. Yeah, the comparisons are always there. And usually it takes us back to that, it always takes me back to a place of being humble uh, because you'll see someone, well, how did how do you have such a large ministry team around you? How did you bring up all these leaders? How did you equip all these people? And it's like, oh, I, I guess I did it all wrong. So it's it's a it's a, a deadly thing to compare, and I don't think he wants us to compare, but uh, it also pushes me to try to do a little bit better. I mean, I think if we even look look at the scripture, like with Jacob and Esau, like two brothers who are totally different. You've got you got Jacob, who's like the conniving trickster who loves just staying, I guess, indoors and hanging out with mom. He was uh, the ultimate mama's boy, huh? Mama's yeah. boy, right there. Uh, he was probably homeschooled too. Uh, no oh, dang. I mean, everyone's homeschooled back then, right? So, <laughs> no offense to homeschool viewers or anything. Uh, that we just lost half. Of yeah, them. yeah. <laughs> no, sir. My wife is, was homeschooled, uh, but then we've got uh, Esau, who's like this strong, like uh, he's a hairy dude, you know. So that's like you know a lot of uh, testosterone going with that that hair growth. A lot of flannel. Yeah, he's a hunter. He's outdoors. He knows how to cook it up, right? He's probably a barbecue, Traeger type of guys. But like, yeah. like they're so different, and yet, like, what's what's the comparison? And and that's the thing. Like with our own lives, is like God has called us to be who we are for the people and purposes yeah. that He has for us. And yet we like, it's just like, well, I, I want to be like him, or I want to be like her, yeah. and like that never gets us anywhere. Yeah. Well, because he. I was even thinking that uh, on the way here, I was thinking about like, I remember praying about closing the church a couple nights ago. Yeah. We're sitting on the couch just praying. What should we do? And I'm like, he might say something completely different down the road because we have different circumstances. What we're dealing with in our church and the facility that we're in, it just has a different purpose in the place. And so what he might say to us might be completely different to the church right down the street from us. Yeah. Because we have a different ministry. We have a different uh, group coming in. It's just an interesting thing that he chooses us and wants us to follow his will and his plan and not what we think is important. No matter how big and strong and uh, can do barbecue or not do barbecue, he wants us to do good things. So like what you're saying is instead of like trying to convince everyone else that like their decision is wrong because yours is right, uh, it's more about like, Hey, man, like God told us this. And if God told you that, cool, like yeah. support both, you know, there's right reasons on both sides or whatever it may be. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, that's really what it, it's, yeah. it has nothing to do with it. He could say something to you that's, you know, we're in ministry together for years. It's yeah. different yeah. and it's still right for you. Yeah. And it might be a little different for me, but it doesn't mean it's not, it's not wrong. 
Yeah, I even believe that there's some tuning in that. Yeah, you man, you might not be called to vocation, or you might not be called to ministry or get paid to go to church, as I like to say it. But God has called you to something. He's maybe called you to the marketplace. He's called you to be a teacher, or even a mom raising up kids, or or a person who works in business or finances. He's he's called you to be a, what I like to call the the marketplace. And and most people are called to the marketplace to reach people that. We couldn't possibly yeah. reach, right? Our call is to, to equip the saints to to the nurture the lambs that God has provided us, the sheep. But for for those watching, many of you, yeah, your your role is in the marketplace, and we don't want you to feel less than or to feel that God hasn't placed you there for His purposes. Even I, I what comes to mind is Daniel. You know, he wasn't he wasn't a pastor, but he was an, an advisor to one of the greatest kings that has ever lived in Babylon. And yet that's where God had placed him sovereignly. But and I there's no hierarchy too. Like I think everyone should know, like there's no hierarchy. It's not like people in ministry are above. I mean, clearly that's no. not how it goes. No, but we, we kind of get that. We mindset. do that in the church. Yeah. yeah. We get that in the mindset. It's like, Oh, if I'm in ministry, I've hit the high level of ministry. But well, the truth is the church needs people that are giving and he puts people in those places to make money so that they can give. So people can go on to missions and church can stay open. And like Jeff saying is like the marketplace is critical for the church to thrive. And too often we kind of, uh, uh, anoint the the leaders that because they're in ministry have done a little bit of Bible training. But the truth is we need to anoint everybody mm -hmm. so that the church can be the church. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's what, even God is doing now, you know, many of you can pray for family and friends and, and be in those places where we can't be. I mean, most of us, we can't even meet in a building right now, but we have this amazing technology where we can, um, where people around the world can tune in. But I want to wrap up with one last point in our Romans topic tonight, which is God's mercy. There's this uh, verse 14. When you read it, it almost seems, uh, and I'll read it for you. It says, I will show mercy to anyone I choose and will show compassion to, to anyone I choose. So it is God who decides to show mercy. We can neither choose it nor work for it. At first glance, that might seem a little bit harsh. It's like God saying, well, you know, That's I could. That's pretty harsh. It does, right? Like, does God play favorites? Is he, what is he, what is he trying to say here? Or what? I'm his favorite. <laughs> Your joke From definitely Fillmore. was not. So. <laughs> He's got to overseen Fillmore. Mercy's an interesting thing for me, and to think about that there's some that go and that some that don't go is interesting to me. And uh, part of the comfort that I have in God is that He is all powerful and all you know, all knowing, and He has a plan. And it's not really my job to figure out who's going to give mercy or not. It's my job to just follow him and live for him and trust him and, and, and edify in him and grow in him and worship him like we did earlier. But the text says he, he's going to show mercy to whoever he wants. My job is to make sure that me and my family, as Joshua says, will serve the Lord. And in that, we should be a part of the mercy that he has. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's like, who cares if God shows mercy to whoever, you know? That may frustrate us because of our, our mindset or, our, you know, how we play favorites, right? Um, but there's a quote from uh, Augustine who said that God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. I like that And quote. I love that because it just shows, like, 
well, God's doing something in your life that he is maybe not doing yet in my life or in your life, or he's doing something different. And we, we compare, we, we feel like, well, God's not being fair to me or God's, you know, unjust because this hasn't happened. Like we're trying to boss God around. I was like, come on, man. Like you, don't you realize like God has us each doing different things or for different purposes and it's for him, yeah. you know, like our lives are not our own, but you know, that's just, I, I, I don't think God plays favorite. I think we're all God's mm-hmm. favorites, you know, and it may seem unfair when we think of it in a selfish, self-centered way. Yeah. I mean, verse four, uh, 13 talks about, I love Jacob, but I rejected Esau. So yeah. there's this really, as Jeremy would say, there's always tension in the text. You look at the text and you're like, man, he hates it. But then if you look back, what did Esau do to get to this level? It's not like he's innocent. He sold his soul for a cup of soup. I mean, he did some stuff, and God chose not to give him mercy. That's kind of what we're seeing here, but is it unfair? You know, we always have to see. You know, I, I, I feel like I'm supposed to tell this story. It's kind of Jeremy's story, so I should let him, but he'll jack it up. So I'll tell this. I don't know what story he's talking it's about. It's the so story yeah. about cookies. Tara makes a bunch of cookies <laughs> for everybody in Camarillo. There's two stories. They're delicious, about by the cookies, way. But, yeah, keep going. This is a story where she makes cookies for everyone in Camarillo. And she tells everybody from the rooftop and throughout the the weekend, hey, there's going to be cookies for everybody. Now, the choice is, does everybody have an opportunity to get a cookie? Yeah. Yeah. But does everybody choose a cookie? No. And so whoever comes and gets the cookie gets a cookie and says, oh, man, Tara, that was so good. But whoever misses out, you know, who's who's what's the problem? Well, I chose not to go. I was lazy. I didn't like it. She doesn't know how to cook. Whatever the issue is, I choose not to. And that's kind of how we see. We have to see some of these things is like, where am I in the situation? Where am I um, rejecting and kind of pushing away what is good for me? Yeah, definitely. I don't think God chooses favorites like Jeremy's saying. He loves each and every one of us. He loves everyone watching this and also the family and friends beyond that. Um, you are loved. You are cared for. But at the same time, he wants us to listen to his commands. He wants us to follow his way. So the best thing to do is let God be God and let him sort him all. Uh, he, he loves you. So don't worry about that. Let him do his thing. And in his timing and his will, you're going to see what's going to come to pass. Yeah, I think God loves to surprise us on who he shows mercy to. I mean, even the author of this text, Romans uh, Paul, he was a persecutor of the church. God didn't have to show mercy upon him, yet he chose him to be an apostle for the gospel and the right two-thirds of the New Testament. And it just blows my mind. I think even someone recently, like Kanye West, right? Someone who, someone that maybe we would even... Uh, we just that, lost our last 10 viewers. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, just think about that, right? A, 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 guy yeah. that, <laughs> a guy that... I'm interested. That a lot of people hated, yeah, you know? know? Maybe even a lot of Christians wish that God would just strike them with a lightning bolt. And yet, you know, he's kind of had uh, a turnaround. He's not perfect. I'm not saying he's perfect. But it just surprises us in whom God shows mercy yep. too. But I want to wrap up tonight. I know I want to thank you guys for being with us. But before we go, any any last thoughts? Well, we're excited to kind of do this kind of stuff because it shows who we are a little bit more. This is what yeah. we do on a regular basis in the sense of not every day, but we get together and talk and try and figure out what's the best for the kingdom of God and for what journey has been called to. And so to go through, it's a tough text. This is a tough text. I mean, some people are at home kind of 
looking at it going, man, this is a crazy place. And you see Paul's shift from the last, uh, the first eight chapters. But I'm excited about this season. I, I know it's going to be difficult. I know it's going to be hard. I know that God's mercy is going to have to uh, be big over the next few weeks as churches are struggling and are going to struggle. Fortunately, Journey, we believe God's got favor on Journey, right? They've had for up to 10 years and... You know, we hope he's going to continue to bless us and grow us. And if we do more of this, hopefully he'll tune in and share it with other people. I mean, this is such a great platform. Uh, you get to be in your pajamas, hanging out. But we have open dialogue. So if you miss a part of this, I mean, go back and ask those questions of people who's around. Uh, go in your community groups and start talking to those people. We, we are not losing this sense of being together just because we're not inside a so-called church. I mean... We were hearing about this in the marketplace. You get to go out and you get to tell people about God because he's chosen you. He loves you. So I'm really excited about this uh, next part moving through. I actually love reading about all these uh, instances where Paul's able to change his life and move forward. So there's so many things we get to learn from, especially in Romans. So I'm excited. And yeah, it's like this is such a crazy time we've never experienced before. Our parents didn't experience something like this. Graham, I mean, it's it's just different, um, and it's a, a scary time. But one thing we've just noticed here is that, like, even just doing this, like, we haven't checked our phones, and I don't know how long we've been sitting here. But like, man, like, just tune tune out for a little bit, and like, you can just feel the hope here. You can feel like the 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 certainty that God is is still God and God is in control and in charge of everything like that, that he hasn't moved he hasn't changed and he hasn't shifted with an F uh, things <laughs> and uh, you know God God is doing stuff and we should take it as an opportunity to to get on board yep. hey before you pray I'm just gonna challenge I, I think Dustin kind of said it earlier in some of his devotions and stuff too but do some of this. Yeah. Go find a group of people. Open up the text and read because, trust me, put your phone down. You're going to have plenty of time if you're kind of on furlough or thinking about it. And do some of this, and you'll see the hope kind of prevail. Mm -hmm. If you need to stay six feet away or if you need to do it on Skype or FaceTime, do it that way. But get a group of people and open up the text and watch the glory of God just kind of work through this whole process. I, I'm walking out of here more hopeful, yeah. and I'm, I'm excited, and hopefully you are as well. Lots well, of good word, and let's end with some prayer if you guys can join us. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, that you know what you're doing, Lord, that you don't fail us, Lord, even in times where it seems like you do fail, Lord. It's just a moment in time, Lord, and you have such a bigger plan for us, God. And I pray for those watching and, and tuning in that you just give them a measure of faith, a measure of strength and hope, or just a, a supernatural hope and peace about what what is happening in our world so that when people go to them when people see them lord that they would have an an answer to that lord they'd be able to share with uh, co-workers with families friends the hope that is in them lord and i pray that your disgrace would be upon them and we pray this in jesus name amen amen so